Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our podcast as we continue on looking at God through fresh eyes. You know, as I've shared before, if you're a first-time listener, we are building on sort of the lesson that we taught on Sunday and looking at some things in a deeper perspective. And on Sunday, we looked at the character of Moses, and we talked about how God looked at a quality of his character, which is seen in the book of Exodus, chapter 2, verses 11 through 19, where you can see this aspect of Moses and his how he doesn't like the injustice that is around him. But the challenge as a young man that Moses had is he was looking for retributive justice, retribution for the wrongs that he saw. And you know, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about justice, but one of the primary views God has on justice is restorative justice to bring harmony and peace into a situation. And as you study through that story of Moses, it took God about 40 years of him training to be a shepherd to finally get his heart where God could send him back to Egypt to free God's people. And, you know, we talked about how God is always looking for certain qualities that he could partner with so that he could work through people. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, in verse 6, it says, Nothing can prevent the Lord from delivering, whether by many or by few. 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. You know, it's true. We we get so caught up in our world today uh, about numbers and how big is my group? How big is your group? And and it even happens in churches where we think the larger the group is, the, the more blessing they must have from God. And you know, God doesn't look at any of that. God is looking at our hearts. And whether by many or by few, God wants to bring salvation, wants to bring order back to the chaos that surrounds us. And God's plan has never changed. And we talked about this on Sunday. You know, we look through the book of Matthew and Matthew 4, uh, verse 23, and following through Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. And we talked about the crowds in Matthew 4. And we talked about how because of all that Jesus was doing, more and more people were hearing about it. And in verse 23 through 25, you begin to see these crowds gather around Jesus. And it said large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. You know, think about this crowd for a moment. It was a diverse crowd. There were people of a Jewish background there. There were Samaritans there. There were Romans in that crowd. There were those who were Hebrew by, by training, and there was those who were Hellenists by training. And it was an incredibly diverse crowd, but they were all coming to see who this Jesus was. And as we talked about in Matthew 5, as this crowd gathered, Jesus looked at the crowd and then he sat down with his disciples and began to teach them. And he used it as an opportunity to share about the crowd, to 
in essence, I believe, begin to reveal the heart of God towards humankind. And he talks about the Beatitudes. And often, as I grew up and as I studied and as I was taught, I really looked at the Beatitudes as these are the qualities that we need to attain, that we need to strive for, that we all need in our lives. And, and don't get me wrong, they are, they are qualities that we need to possess in a certain manner. But I don't know if Jesus was speaking specifically about that here in this passage. But he was talking about being blessed for being poor in spirit. The Greek word also means happy. And if you start looking at it from that perspective, it means, hey, you should be happy because you're poor in spirit. Be happy when you mourn. And I'm not sure if that really fits. But if we were to look at this from the perspective of blessings and God's favor rests on those who are poor in spirit. God's favor rests on those who mourn. God's favor rests on the meek. God's favor rests on those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God's favor rests on those who mercy, who show mercy. God's favor rests on those who are pure in heart. God's favor rests on peacemakers. And God's favor rests on those who are persecuted because of righteousness. If you look at this, Jesus is constantly talking about those people, those people, and those people again and again. But all of a sudden in verse 11, the context changes. The, the way that Jesus is talking changes direction, so to speak. And it says in verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is talking about the crowds and God's favor rests on them. They're all here. They all have needs. But then Jesus is teaching his disciples and he turns to them and says, blessed are you when people insult you. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are light of the world. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to change what he's saying. And as I've studied through this and looked at it and preached on it on Sunday, a passage dawned on me that even sets up all of this before verse 23 in chapter 4. And I believe Matthew, as he's writing this gospel, and he's trying to help the Jewish mind understand the Messiah, Jesus, it also helps us begin to understand some things as well. And in verse 18, chapter 4 of Matthew, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
You know, the lesson that I taught on Sunday, the things that I alluded to a little bit earlier, the context of all of that is beginning with Jesus calling his first disciples, calling these young men to come and follow him. You know, in Jesus' day, for you to be called by a rabbi, for you to be called to be a teacher's disciple, it was so different than what comes up in our heart and our mind. For them, it was a 24-7 situation. You were with them constantly. You listened to them. You watched them interact. You listened to their teaching. You would even probably have some tests to perform to see what you're learning. But that was discipleship in Jesus' day. And what he says to these young men is, I want you to come follow me. I want you to be like me. I want you to learn from me. You know, I believe it was last week we did a podcast on burdens we bear, and we talked about Matthew 11, where Jesus says, take my yoke for it's easy and my burden for it's light. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to take on his teaching, to imitate and be like him. It is not merely just following a bunch of rules. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in that. What do I have to do? Let me look through, okay, let me check, check, check. I've done it all. I'm a good disciple. And yet our hearts could be so far from Jesus. We can be so far from being like him. We may look like it on the outside, but inside there's so much we got to work on. And it's not about merely following rules, but changing our worldview, changing our hearts to be like Jesus and to partner with God to help bring order back to the chaos. You know, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was teaching his disciples the heart of God to, to care about those who are marginalized, to care about those who are on the fringe, to care about those who are in need, to put ourselves second and to think about them. It is the heart that we need. You know, like all rabbis, what's the first thing a rabbi will do after they have taught their students? You know, well, at the end of the Sermon on the Mound, we see it in verse, in chapter 8, in verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Wow. So Jesus has this incredible teaching opportunity for his disciples. He's using the diverse crowd to explain things in the way. And if you go through them, somewhere on the mount, you will see how everything kind of fits together. 
And then he turns around and says, now let me show you what I mean. And the first situation that happens is a man with leprosy comes up to him. You know, I'm not going to go into all the details, but the fact that Jesus touched him made Jesus unclean. That's what the Levitical law teaches. Not that he sinned and not that he was innocent, but he was now unclean, was not allowed to go in to the synagogue, was not allowed to go into a temple or the temple. Had to stay outside for, I believe, six days. But Jesus was willing to put himself in that position in order to meet the need of this man who had leprosy. He wanted to demonstrate to his disciples that this man's life was far more important than a little bit of inconvenience. You know, we're living in a challenging time right now with the pandemic still looming over us. And fortunately, here in Nova Scotia, things are much better than in many parts of our country and around the world. But there's still the pressure we feel. But, you know, we need to keep our minds and our eyes focused on meeting the needs of those who are less fortunate around us. To touch that person in, uh, in their heart so that they can feel comfortable. The touch of the master's hand. You know, that's what we've got to be able to do. We've got to be able to reach out and meet the needs around us. You know, I wanted to finish off by looking in the Old Testament in Isaiah 49. Because the lesson on Sunday was about God's plan has never changed. In Isaiah 49 in verse 6. It says, is it too insignificant a task for you to be my servant? Is it an insignificant task for you to be my servant? I think God's asking all of us that question. To reestablish the tribes of Jacob and restore the remnant of Israel. I will make you a light to the nations so you can bring my deliverance to the remote regions of the earth. You know, those of us who've made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus, this is the call to spread the kingdom throughout our neighborhoods, throughout our city, throughout our province, throughout our country, throughout the globe, to help bring shalom, peace to the chaos that reigns around us. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a blessed week.